I am Wrestling Elitist, and I am your host, Alex Gibson. Today, I'm going spring scene without the E Street Band. That's right, I'm flying solo. I'm the whole effing show. The one-man band. The man of a thousand takes. You get the picture. It's just me, baby. Chris is out tending to some unexpected work on his house. Sean's down south bathing in barbecue sauce and KC on vacation. Before we get to the week that was in wrestling, let's take care of some housekeeping. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. Check out our website, WrestlingElitist.com, for your latest match reviews and articles. This past week, I posted a plea for AEW to separate Jungle Boy from Jack Perry. And Chris did a revision of ECW Anarchy Rules 99. Great articles. Be sure to check them out. Check out what we've got coming out in the next few weeks as well. It's a one-man show, but that won't change how we're doing the episodes. It'll follow our normal format today. I'm going News of the Week, Match of the Week, Moment of the Week, Cringe of the Week, and then what I'm looking forward to with anticipation over the next week in wrestling. There's a couple of things that I definitely want to touch on as well that uh, there's too many moments to really touch on, too much news to touch on, so we'll also hit that at the end. So let's get right into it. News of the Week. I think we had it. two big things happen this past week. The thing that I had really earmarked for this conversation was Soraya is all elite. Paige is gone from WWE. She left back in July. There's a lot of questions up in the air. Is she healthy enough to continue wrestling? Is she going to go somewhere? She was making good money on Twitch. Is she just going to be a streamer from now on? We saw this past Wednesday. She is in all elite wrestling. I think the way that she was presented tells me that she is going to be wrestling. The way that she tweeted afterwards at all the people that were claiming that she's not healthy still tells me she's going to be wrestling. And the way that she scared Britt Baker and her crew tells me she's going to be wrestling. I cannot wait. I hope she's healthy. Um, you know, this isn't something that I want anybody to ever get into if they are not fully sure that this is something that their body can handle. But we've seen guys like Christian do it. We've seen Edge do it. And I think Paige is somebody who she's been away for a long enough period of time that we can really expect that she has had some time to heal. But on top of that, the way that doctors are able to, you know, get people to a point of being able to do this safely, I think I have very little doubt that if she has been signed, that she has not been given a good enough reason to believe that she'll be reasonably safe. This is a dangerous sport, whether it's your first bump or your 100,000th bump. So let's hope that she's good. Uh, she got a great pop. It's really good to see that the women's division in AEW is getting a little bit more attention and getting some more talent. I'm still every single week hoping that we get to see Sasha. It's another week that that didn't happen, but Soraya is, she's not somebody who I'm disappointed to see. She's not somebody who you say, I wish that was Sasha in that moment. I think she could still hold her own. And I think she's also great on the stick. So it'll be a great time uh, getting to see her really cement her legacy because, you know, it was a career that was cut way too short in her time in WWE. Uh, other big news of the week, once again, with Grand Slam, drew a million dollar gate. It's one of only 10 wrestling events in modern history, I believe, to draw a million dollar gate for a television taping. So good job to uh, AEW and their crew. I think that Grand Slam has become a really special moment, uh, having it just be a Wednesday night show. It's not a regular pay-per-view, anything like that. It's just regular television and it's great fucking wrestling. I had some qualms with a couple of the way a couple of the way a couple of those matches went, but overall, solid show and well deserving of a million dollar gate there. Uh, would love to hopefully be able to eventually make it to a Grand Slam because that's such a cool venue. Uh, Tony's got some really cool ideas with his use of Arthur Ashe as well as Daly's Place and uh, Jacksonville and just hoping to see that continue as a yearly tradition 
And also it kind of keeps the pay-per-views out of New York. So you can then do them in maybe a city like Detroit, who knows one day. Moving on to my match of the week, it was the opener of Grand Slam. It was Chris Jericho versus Claudio. I thought that that match had everything that I was looking for. Jericho has continued to cement his legacy in his time here in AEW overall, but especially I think over the last few months, he's just put on some great matches, had some pretty good feuds. I think if there's something that's hampered him so far in his time in AEW, a lot of his feuds last too long. So hopefully this isn't too long with Castagnoli, but there are some really cool spots in this match. Jericho countering that avalanche powerbomb into uh, Hurricanrana and then the code breaker that got countered into an uppercut for a two count by uh, Claudio, which later comes back. Claudio goes for a springboard maneuver and gets hit by the code breaker off of a Jericho counter. So that was kind of cool that they both countered that same move in different ways. Uh, the bat spot with Claudio catching it as Jericho went to cheat to use it was great. You always hear things about Claudio and his strength and getting to see him catch that with his God tier strength. I think uh, it was on display in that moment. And just one of those like kind of corny wrestling moments that I fucking love. Uh, the things that keeps me coming back to wrestling. Uh, and then Jericho winning with the low blow. No man, no matter how strong you are, can with withstand a, a low blow like that. So him getting the win, I'm so excited. And it kind of goes into my anticipation, but let's just say it now. Seeing him as Ring of Honor champion, Jericho, what is he going to call himself? Like probably like the King of Honor or something like that. He's so good at that. Just the stupid heat, the goofy heel stuff. That's just, it shouldn't even really get under your skin, but it's it's just so good. And he leans into things so much that I, I'm excited to see what it is. Um, he's having a, a banner year, really. He continues to, like I said, just cement himself as one of the greatest of all time. And when he does choose to hang it up, I think we're really going to miss him. I think there are times right now in AEW where maybe I get sick of him, but it's almost because I'm I'm spoiled. I have I have so much Chris Jericho somebody who really has made a career out of going in and out of WWE, right? He would, he would do, do a little run with WWE and then go tour with his band, then come back. And he always kind of just, he made you miss him. And sometimes that doesn't happen in AEW, but he still does such a good job of reinventing himself. There's a couple of guys on the roster that I think could really stand to learn something from him with that in terms of not having the same shtick. I think there's a couple of guys um, you know, Adam Cole comes to mind for me because I love Adam Cole, but at the same time, we're now at a point where I've seen him as this version of Adam Cole, essentially since the first time I saw him in the ring of honor. And then he went to NXT, did that for a few years, but still kind of the same thing. It's been the same thing in AEW. And, and my hope is that we can see him reinvent himself because he's a super talented guy. And Chris Jericho has been the king of reinvention and understanding how to get heat, how to be a face. And I really hope that that's something that even once he does go into more of a backstage role, people take uh, his guidance on. Uh, moving into my moment of the week, I had Great Muda saving the day uh, on Rampage. So Great Muda, he's going on his retirement tour. You have to think Sting's doing the same thing, right? Soon, at least. And getting to see him come out and save him in the match for House of Black He's not moving great. Uh, it's definitely probably time for him to be hanging up the boots pretty soon, but just an awesome scene to see one of Sting's greatest rivals come out and help him get Muda a chance to be on uh, national U.S. television at least one more time before his career is up. 
Um, you know, if, if I had the ability to go to Japan and see his last match, I would do that in a second. So, um, it was kind of a moment for me that was very, you know, kind of sentimental. I think, you know, wrestling fans in general were very sentimental. We like, um, kind of, you know, seeing those, I don't want to call them an old timer, but that's the word that's on my mind right now. Um, the nostalgia pops and things like that. Um, and even if it may, maybe wasn't as well received by some others or, you know, there are people that were upset that it was on Rampage, so it was pre-taped, so there were spoilers on it. It was perfect for me for what it was, getting to see him save his old uh, his old rival. I'm hoping that we get to see some sort of Sting and Muda interaction again, uh, maybe potentially in his final match. So I think that they would be a great match against each other. I think that they could keep each other safe and ultimately it would just be a great, uh, a great send-off. Or maybe Conrad can set up something in North Carolina. Um, another great moment of the week. Um, shout out to a friend and loyal listener, uh, Dominique. He, he messaged me as soon as it happened. The acclaimed winning the tag team title belts, knowing that that, that was more of a moment for me than anything, right? Uh, Max Caster, fan club. I'm a Maximaniac. I love those two. I think we've talked about scissoring on this podcast for the last 15 episodes straight at this point. Um, it's a bummer that the match wasn't as good as the pay-per-view match a few weeks ago, but the crowd was so hot for it. Everybody loves the acclaimed and everybody wanted to see the acclaimed win there. And so in order to, you know, get to see that, them do it in front of such a large audience, getting to do it in, you know, Max's hometown, essentially, absolutely just a, uh, Great match. So much heat. I, I love Swerve and Keith Lee, but I'm excited to see those two as potentially a solo act. Loved seeing uh, Fabulous come out, uh, even though he was on the wrong side of history, coming out with Swerve and Our Glory. And then I believe it was uh, DJ Wukid from um, Shade 45 uh, that came out with the acclaim. So I love the New York tie-ins that they always do with uh, kind of New York celebrities on uh, Grand Slam. Moving on to my cringe, let's get a little bit negative, right? I think it was the main event. Uh, Chris and I pretty much had the same cringe. His was just around the camera cuts to MJF throughout the main event. They kind of, it was like you were watching X Factor. If you've ever seen that, they'll like randomly cut to the crowd and show people's reactions instead of just showing what's going on on the stage. It's that same type of a thing. Like we get it. He was there watching, maybe do it as a picture in picture or just show it once or twice and then call it good. They did it way too much and it got to a point where it was just distracting and that was a match that those are two of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Two guys that can go. I think my, my cringe was a little bit less specific and it was just around that match in general. So it was the cuts to MJF kind of what I felt was an abrupt end. I felt like that match needed about five to eight more minutes to really breathe uh, before calling it. And also they had said that they had time to go over tonight or not tonight. It was that night. So they, they said that they were going to stay as long as the match went, which maybe they didn't actually have the ability to go over. And they just said that. So you wouldn't think that it was going to end right at uh, 1059 or 959. But for me, I would have liked to have seen that if there was ever a time to go over on time, it was that match. I think let it go a little bit longer, let those two go a little bit longer. Ultimately I wanted to see uh, Danielson win there, but I also get it if, you know, he's not wanting the title or, you know, you want to give Mox that title because he really was the one that carried it over summer and he did a great job with it. He can always put on a banger. I know that uh, Danielson has a pretty mild schedule, so 
maybe he didn't want the burden of having to put on banger matches every week up until uh, potentially dropping it to MJF. So I think either decision was fine. I think in my heart, I just really wanted to see Danielson get it, especially after seeing Punk just, you know, kind of nuke the bridge, right? Just napalmed every relationship that he has in AEW after getting the title less than a year after coming back at being gone for seven, eight years. And then he just kind of shits on everything has to give up the title because of injury, but probably would have had to give it up either way. And I think Danielson has come in and he's just been that exemplary you know, veteran wrestler who comes in. He does, he does a great job. He's been a locker room leader. He's the locker room leader that punk seems to think that he is. And unfortunately it just didn't work out for him. So it'll be interesting to see where the story goes. Those two members of the Blackpool combat club. Um, I think that they told a good story in the match. Like I said, I think, really the biggest problem was is you had so much to fill within two hours and then you also just kept with those cuts to mjf it just it took away from what was a really really strong match um moving on to my anticipation uh for this next week i think for me it's jericho and his ring of honor now related gimmick and his nickname um you know is he is he gonna be the king of honor like i said is he gonna all of a sudden be a wrestler instead of a sports entertainer. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. Cause I'm sure it's going to be super obnoxious. He's going to make everybody hate him, boo him. And it's going to be great. Um, I think also the uh, title match that just got announced right before I started recording this, you've got Bandito versus Chris Jericho for the ROH world title. Bandito never got a rematch after losing to uh, Jonathan Gresham back uh, at WrestleMania weekend, which we were fortunate enough to be there to attend. That was a banger of a match. I'm sure this is going to be a banger of a match. I'm super excited for television audience to get a chance to see uh, Bandito on television. Uh, I think that he is one of those just superstars that, you know, I think back to when I first started pro- watching pro wrestling, the guys that spoke to me uh, were like Rey Mysterio, like the luchador, that style, so interesting and what Bandito can do at his size. He's got the strength, but he also has that agility. I'm just so excited to see what him and Jericho can do. And once again, it just kind of continues that Jericho tour of duty of like, what can he do over these next one to three years that he's probably going to be active to really cement his legacy. Um, Chris had Mox versus Juice. Uh, So Juice Robinson will be facing Moxley for the AEW title this Wednesday as well. So Juice Robinson is one of the one of only two men to uh, pin John Moxley this year uh, for a New Japan match. I believe he did it for uh, the other person being redacted, aka CM Punk. Um, and I don't really love Juice Robinson. I'm not super pumped about this match. I if I had a problem with Mox's summer summer run. It was that it was just like matches like this where it just feels like a random opponent. I get the rationale behind Mox versus Juice. It makes sense. But A, Juice just isn't a guy that I'm super into. And then I just, I want to see, let's let's let some people within the AEW roster get a chance. Um, there's plenty of guys on the, on the roster that I think you can quickly build up, but also it's going to still be a good match. Like regardless, that's the thing. Moxley doesn't have bad matches and, and Juice Robinson, as much as he's not my cup of tea, a uh, cup of juice, he's, he's still going to do a great job. Um, let's move on. Just some other quick topics. And then, um, then I'll, I'll let you all go. Uh, Sammy is sad. So Sammy, uh, 
kind of came out and said that, um, you know, he doesn't understand really the hate that he gets. And, you know, maybe he just needs to go away like Cody did because Cody was hated by the fans and he went to WWE and now he's beloved. I get it. Like, I think when, when we get like a more downloads in a week than we typically get on this podcast, I instantly get this anxiety of what if we accidentally actually get famous from this or, you know, get a, make a name for ourselves. It makes me uncomfortable sometimes. That's a weird thing to say. I want this podcast to get big, but I also sometimes don't. I still want it to, but I just don't want to have to deal with what it means to get hate online or, you know, just that the booing that he receives. I get it. I totally do. But also I think that, you know, there, there's a point where he had invited a lot of his personal life on screen. And unfortunately that gives people this thought that they have an actual say in your relationship or like they're one of your friends or like they know you and then they're hurt when things go away that they weren't expecting. I'm not defending that, those actions, but what does bother me about Sammy's comments is this is what a lot of people do whenever I'm online. I, I, I This is why I got off of Twitter, especially trying to avoid wrestling Twitter, uh, why I go less and less on Reddit. Everybody just thinks that the people that were booing Cody are the same people that are now cheering him. I think it's a different crowd. I, I genuinely think it's a different group. Or maybe there's some people that just feel like it's a refresh seeing him in WWE versus AEW. Like, I don't think that it's just some randomly irrational thing of, oh, we hated him in AEW, now we love him in WWE. There's there's a different group of people. There's a different... The, the core of the audience might be the same, but there's, I think, 2.7 million people watched WWE uh, SmackDown on Friday and about 500,000 watched Rampage. So there's clearly a large portion of WWE audience that doesn't even pay attention to AEW. They probably didn't even really understand where Cody was coming from. They just remembered that he used to wrestle in WWE. He left and then he came back as a star. I think that there's, there's a, there, you're just being a little bit obtuse when you just pretend that it's the same fans that are just so fickle. Or, you know, they they hated you, now they love you. I want Sammy to be happy. Personally, I'd rather see him in WWE. I think his, I think his style suits WWE really well. Uh, he doesn't do a whole lot for me, and I don't think that he's got the... I, I just never believe any of his promos. He doesn't come off as super authentic to me. Um, but I also don't think that it's fair that people rip him and, and Ty Conti for, for their relationship, for now marriage, I believe, uh, for you know, it's none of their business. So um, moving on, uh, Sami Zayn, he's an honorary oos. Uh, I loved that. I didn't watch SmackDown Live, but I caught the clips. Um, seeing the smile on his face when uh, Roman ripped, well, he, he got his first shirt ripped and then Roman gave him an honorary oos shirt. I think that that's one of the f- more fun storylines going on right now. I think I've in the past not loved heel Sammy because I think he's overly obnoxious and not to a point of like, Oh, he's a good heel because he's obnoxious. Like it's, he's trying too hard. This isn't working for me, but it works perfectly within the aspect of what's going on right now with the bloodline. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the just eventual, just beat down that Roman Reigns gives him and the booing that's going to ensue. Roman is on fire right now. I, I think I wouldn't, I can't even say that I didn't see this coming or that the fans didn't see this coming. We were clamoring for him to be a heel for so long. 
and we're getting it and he's fucking killing it. And there's a rumor that they want him to turn face and he's refusing to. Good for you, Roman. Stand up for yourself. Stay a heel for a little bit longer. Beat the shit out of Sami Zayn. And then maybe we can talk about you being a face again. It's just been such a good just story with uh, then Jay not liking Sammy, clearly not trusting him. I'm always a fan of these types of uh, storylines. It reminds me of um, back when the Wyatts were together and Randy was become, became a part of the Wyatt family and uh, Brody Lee, a.k.a. Luke Harper, rest in peace, um, you know, was untrusting of Randy the whole time and it drives a wedge then between Bray and Luke. And, and then obviously with Randy as well. And that should have led to a triple threat match at WrestleMania. Unfortunately, it didn't. But definitely uh, have enjoyed that storyline. I enjoy figuring out what's going on with that every week. Um, kind of keeping on the line of SmackDown. The White Rabbit did not de- debut yet. It seems that it was just almost like an Easter egg or a hint. It said 923. So everyone was thinking, oh, he's debuting this day. No, you just got another kind of hint towards everything which the next hint was watch raw. Now the next hint is going to be probably watch SmackDown again. Um, you can only do that for so long. I'm okay with it happening right now, but you, you gotta start to maybe debut somebody. Um, everyone seems to think that it's Bray Wyatt. And that was what I was fully on board with it being up until about two hours ago. I read an article uh, where someone was making a case that it might be edge, which there was already another time where it looked like it might be Wyatt and it was edge. So I'm really, I'm really hoping for, for Triple H's sake that uh, it is actually Wyatt because I think Edge being, you know, wrestling for a few weeks and getting hurt and leaving or getting betrayed and leaving and then coming back and continuously doing this like weird comeback of, you know, is it Bray Wyatt type of a thing? It's going to hurt, you know, people's perception of him and it's going to make people negative towards the new regime. So hopefully... It's Bray. I feel like it seems too obvious to be to not be Bray, but you know, and maybe it maybe this is all on purpose, making you think it could be Edge. Um, and if if it is, kudos to WWE. There's some rumors that came out too. I guess it's not really a rumor; it's more of a report that um, Triple H actually specifically told some people in the financial community that this has been a plan. They want to do more Easter eggs that are going to engage the hardcore fans. And I absolutely love that. I think that this has been one of the more interesting things that they've done besides the Uso stuff or the bloodline stuff. Um, seeing, seeing this, like just starting to play the white rabbit at uh, in the middle of a break at a live event. First of all, it helps you save on having to pay for the rights of it. Uh, but also just kind of these like small things and let people piece it together. We love this world loves, you know, true crime and, and, you know, kind of solving, solving complex things. And I think this is just a chance for fans to be able to do that. And it really feels like we, the, like the hardcore wrestling fan is being catered to, which I think for a long time under Vince, not only did it not feel like we were ever catered to, it felt like we were looked down on or, you know, he weren't respected. And I think that that's what drove so many of us away from the WWE for so long. So I'm really happy to see that this is being, you know, taken somewhat uh, seriously by Triple H. Some other reports that came out, MJF potentially making a million dollars a year now. The weird thing is, is this report came from, uh, I'm not, I I don't even remember the dirt sheet that it came from, so I I won't say a name just in case I'm wrong. But whoever it was, they were citing an Ariel Hawani 
interview where MJF was like, I got a boatload of dollars and I didn't have to sign a extension. That's the storyline that they've been telling. So it's weird that they cited that. Um, I believe that he's probably getting significant money. I don't know if it's a million. I, to be honest, if he is good for him, uh, he's worth whatever they're willing to pay him. So I'm just happy that he's back. He's been fucking killing it. Surprisingly, I didn't have him as my moment of the week this week. Uh, that's, that's kind of a rarity when he's on TV. So uh, whatever he's making, uh, happy for him. He's also just recently engaged. So congratulations to MJF. And then lastly, Buddy Murphy cut a promo uh, this past weekend at an indie event after the Grand Slam match where uh, House of Black lost uh, and said that he, like Malachi Black, is going to be going away for a little bit of time. It's unclear if that means forever, if it means he's just taking a break from AEW, said he needs to figure some things out. Um, you know, I know a lot of these guys on the AEW roster right now, they're, they're dating people that are in WWE. I can't imagine how difficult that is with the different travel schedules. Um, you know, and you can't even really go, you can't even go to your spouse's, uh, shows because your competition, I get it. It's, uh, it's tough. And, you know, I, I don't think Buddy's been anything special in AEW, but I don't think he's had a really a chance to be, I. Uh, He's somebody that's that's really, really talented, but I think that he struggled to really find an identity too. Uh, so I don't think it's fully on AEW. I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both. The guy can go. He can put on some great matches. If he goes back to WWE instead, I, I wouldn't be heartbroken as long as he's still getting to have matches. I think there's a part of me that would be bummed if we didn't get to see some form of Buddy versus... Uh, Omega, um, you know, I would have loved to have seen a trios match of House of Black versus the Bucks and Omega. Obviously, some other things happened too that uh, caused that to never happen. I'm interested in really, you know, ultimately what's leading to all of this for for these uh, few wrestlers that seem to have, you know, instantly as soon as Triple H is back, want to you know put in their notice and uh, jump back to ship because to me that states it's not just that they're happy to go back and work for a Triple H; they certainly are. But obviously, there's some discontent in what's going on in AEW. I don't know if it's there's a huge pay discrepancy between what they were making and what they make now, uh, or if they just really there's some stuff going on inside AEW that they're not happy with. So it'll be interesting to see over the next few months who else kind of goes away, who comes back. Do we ever see Malachi Black again in AEW, or is this uh, kind of the, a goodbye for? The House of Black. I did see Brody King tweeted that he's not going anywhere. You know, he's not leaving. He's like uh, Leo and um, Wolf of Wall Street. He's he's staying. So excited for that. Uh, that is all I have for you this week. Thank you again for listening. I hope my rambling was at least entertaining for you today. Um, once again, please make sure you're checking out our website, WrestlingElitist.com, for your latest match reviews and articles. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Amazon. I just found out recently we're on Audible too. That's pretty cool. Um, but please make sure you're sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Rick Root, take us home. Hit the music.